Now, you're one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, the history and evolution of the suit. Your teacher is Dr Lydia Edwards, fashion historian and author of How to Read a Dress and How to Read a Suit, and joins us here on Drive. Lydia, good afternoon. Good afternoon. There, there aren't many artefacts where, of uh, this age anyway, where we actually know in a way the moment that they were cre- c- uh, created. But thank you to Samuel Pepys with his famous diary. He virtually live reported it, didn't he? Yeah, pretty much. It's probably the, the earliest example we have of, of live reporting, a kind of news stream. Um, yeah, he, he wrote, and we even have the day, it was on October 1666, October the 18th. Uh, he was um, watching, he was at court and watching Charles II and the courtiers come and go, and he noticed that Charles was wearing the new suit that he developed um, and that he wanted to kind of promote as a garment for for English men particularly and so he went home and, and wrote this down in his diary and um, yeah and put it out to the world so the rest the rest has been history as they say. And it was a suit and it looks a bit different to the one you might see down at the local office today but it, it had a vest it had a tunic it had breeches. It did, yeah. I mean, the first iterations of it were, it was actually known as the Persian suit because there was a lot of influences of people that came from court from various countries around the world, um, including parts of Iran and Turkey and, and that, that places like that. And they put their influence into it too. So originally it was much more like a tunic and, and a pair of quite baggy breeches. And then as we move further into the century and ideas of masculinity changed and society changed in various ways, it became the three-piece suit much more like we'd recognise today. Hmm. Once the king has worn something, everyone wants to wear it, don't they? And Pepys himself wore it. The Duke of York stepped out in in one. It, it then starts to change a little bit. It becomes a much more closely fitting garment, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, this this happens kind of, it becomes sort of almost like a skinny suit as we'd recognise it today at the end of the 18th century. But throughout the 18th century, you can see this happening by degrees and it's kind of quite hard to to read a suit as as the title of my book says because unlike dresses they did change very subtly the changes were very small but if you look at them in detail you can see the front um, openings of a jacket gradually um, becoming narrower and sloping towards the back breeches becoming um, more tight of fitting and yeah by about 1770 1780 um, it's much much closer to to what we would recognize today and you can almost see the beginnings of the uh, the kind of modern business this suit starting to come out in, in the following century. Mm. You, you argue that there's a reason for this, the, the way it starts to be cut, and it's to emphasise the more masculine aspects of the male body. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and this was really um, the the kind of idea of, of Beau Brummel, who was you know known as the first dandy. Um, and in the early 19th century, he was really, really uh, influenced by ideas of simplicity in dress. So not necessarily men not caring about dress, but men um, being much more kind of studied and much more careful and, and wanting to present themselves almost like a classical figure in terms of showing off the body and showing off you know the male form. So his idea was very much... Um, wearing sort of light coloured trousers that showed the shape of the leg and having these really, really beautifully tightly fitted tailored jackets that showed off the waist. And some men even wore corsets to try and improve the appearance of their waist underneath the the jacket. And then having these really high neck um, collars and cravats that kind of were meant to show off the shape of the the neck and and, and show off um, the hairstyle because beards weren't in fashion at this time. So to show off your chin and and your jaw and, and to really 
give a kind of new essence to what men were meant to look like. Hmm. Are the dandies really the, the upper class of society? Does, does the suit start to penetrate down? Well, it's funny because Beau Brummel himself um, wasn't necessarily um, upper class. He came from quite a, uh, a sort of uh, much more modest background, but his style of dressing certainly appealed to the upper classes and that's where it was originally um, taken up. But yeah, I think we really start to see a more egalitarian uh, feel come in when we get to the Industrial Revolution. You get far more people having professional urban jobs in the city. So we start to see suits being developed specifically for office jobs. And and they were, of course, much simpler. Um, You could buy them in a a more mass-produced kind of way. And and at this time, we also start to see leisure suits developing in the 1860s, so looser-fitting kind of suits that would be worn when you were at home or or even when you were on holiday or down the beach even. So we start to see a lot more more, uh, variation and, and different ideas of the way men could style themselves depending on the occasion. Okay, that's the well, you've you've got us up to about the 1860s. When do we <laughs> when do we get the the classic look of the tailored suit, the white shirt, the tie, you know, the the stereotype of the I don't know, the the managing director of the local bank. I would say probably by the time we get to the sort of 1880s, 90s, and certainly in, into the first um, years of the 90, of the 20th century, that's when that, that image is kind of much more solidified. And, and that's when we start to see that actually between then and now, in terms of the, the cut of the suit, not a great deal has changed. I mean, obviously, the way it's fitted and the way it's accessorised has changed. And there are, there are subtle differences in fit and in what's fashionable. But, yeah, the, the male suit as we know it today has really been in existence for at least 100 years in, in the way that, you know, that, that we perceive it now. So it, it's, it's a really longevity. So it shows that it's a very, um, yeah, very successful piece of fashion. Yeah, but then it's, it's prodded this way and that, isn't it, by various trends, by various uh, celebrities. You think about the American rocker style of, of the, the suits worn by people like James Dean or, or Elvis or Marlon Brando. Yeah, absolutely. You get the the rockers in in the 1950s and and you get also at that time um, young people sort of trying to change the way that they dressed and and rebelling against what their fathers and grandfathers wore. Um, But then when you get to the teddy boys in the sort of later 50s, they started to kind of do what young people do now and revert to the vintage style. So they reverted to what their grandfathers and great grandfathers would have worn in the Edwardian era and started to use that as a way of presenting their own identity so we had these long um sort of drape jackets and and tight-fitting trousers um different styles of ties than what were being worn in the 50s so this was a a sort of niche part of society but i think it showed that youthfulness coming in and and making its mark on fashion but then i think what what happens in the 60s is interesting because we get um a a sort of move away from the the grungy rocky look into uh, the mod look so a very clean very structured um suit that was really um, popularised by the Beatles. And and this was actually an effort by their manager to make them more appealing to uh, their fans' parents if they had this clean sort of image. They had those... fashionable uh, in their own right. Well, sorry, they, they had the, those collarless jackets, didn't they? Yeah, which is actually a really old style. You know, we, we see that a lot in the 18th century and it, and it was completely pulled back in, in the 60s. It's also a kind of... Um, very Indian style as well. You see it in a lot of um, Indian and, and, and other Asian cultures. 
Mm. Well, the, the, let's end with the big, big philosophical thumb sucker, as they say. Why are women in the office situation allowed to dress in lots of different styles? Well, the men in a way, and this is most intense when you go out to the formal the formal occasion, where the men are dressed virtually identically, as if uh, if you take the wrong one home, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I think if we look through fashion history, it's always been the case that there is more option more scope for women um and there were more kind of styles within the prevailing fashion at the time i don't know i think it's very very ingrained still in workplaces that the suit is the only acceptable um acceptable garment and maybe that has a lot to do with the way that we still perceive masculine masculinity versus femininity i don't know that maybe it's still deemed as acceptable for women to be more interested and to play around with different styles more than men i would hope that's becoming more outdated now but there is something in society and i don't know what it is i don't have the the, the answer but Mm -hmm. there's something that keeps us very strictly within that that line Maybe it's our way of saying we will suppress our masculinity and do all that you order, sir. We will wear this tight noose-like tie around our neck and we will show our individuality in no greater way than maybe a pair of coloured socks. We are yours, sir. We are yours for the bidding. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Who knows? It's quite possible. (laughs) It's been a great lesson starting with Samuel Pepys. Lydia, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. There's Lydia Edwards. The history of the suit. Right back to that first eyewitness account from Samuel Pepys. You can listen again to her lesson online, of course, abc.net.au slash Sydney. There you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Next week, Fred Watson, astronomer with the Department of Industry, Innovation and Science. His topic, the race to Mars. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week. Music.